Parshas B'Shalach contains the Shira Sayam, as Yashir, as we commonly refer to it. We say it every day in davening. The, right at the beginning, we say, Aziv Zimraska, Fahili Lishua, and then Zekeli Ve'anavehu, Elokei Avi, This is my God, Ve'anavehu, Elokei Avi, the God of my father, Varama Menhu, and I will raise him up, I will exalt him. The, the word, the word Ve'anavehu, though, is a very difficult word to translate. The Shira in general, all the Shiras of the Torah often contain difficult words and phrases to translate. It's poetry. Poetry is never easy to translate. And the Torah, the Torah's poetry in particular, when it shifts from prose to poetry, it is often very difficult to translate. And here as well, the, the word Vanvehu, it's translated in a variety of ways by Chazal and by later commentaries. There are a variety of different possibilities, several different possibilities for what the Shurish is, what the root is, and the word is understood in several different ways. Rashi brings Targum Unkelis. Unkelis, who often Unkelis on the one hand, typically sticks fairly close to Pshat. In most of the Chumash and the Shira, he often deviates somewhat from Pshat. He often brings Midrashic interpretations. Maybe he thought they were Pasha Pshat of the Shira, but he often brings less, uh, less, less prosaic, less down-to-earth explanations. <coughs> it's hard to know whether the, what, what he says here is considered, in his view, was pshuto shel mikra or not. But he says, he says for, for the word zekeli vanavehu, he translates that as dein elokot, dein eloki maktash. This is my God, dein eloki ve'evnilei maktash. I will build him a base of mikdash. Elokei elokei avi, the God of my father. And I will worship before him. So, Varamamenu, I will exalt him. He translates, How do you exalt God? Unclus, in general, when there's any hint of anthropomorphism, any, any hint of the physical, Unclus always explains it very, very loosely. But the previous phrase, Vanveu, he translates, Vavni le Maktash, I'll build him a base of Mektash. Rashi says, Rashi explains Unclus, Unclus Tergim Loshin Nove, Nove Shanon. A uh, peaceful habitation, pasuk in Yeshaya, lunavetzon, a dwelling for its own, also in Yeshaya. <coughs> so Rashi and Unclus are explaining here that the, the word anvehu is from the word nave, from the word dwelling, and it means I'll build a base of mikdash. That's what the that's what the targum says. Davarache, Rashi brings another pshat. Vanvehu does not come from the root of nave as dwelling or habitation. Vanvehu comes from lashon noi, the word. Attractive or beautiful. What does that mean, Van Vey? Well, make God beautiful. I will relate the, his beauty, the beauty of his, of his essence and his praise to, to the inhabitants of the world. <coughs> As we find in Shirashirim, the, the, two, the two lovers, uh, they, they, they discuss, the, the, each of them proudly recounts the. The, the the charms the, which are mishalom of course for deeper qualities of the of, of, of their of their lover and that's what we say about a Baruch Hu. we say we, that the, the nations of the world ask us madodek mi dod what's so special about your God dodit adam and we talk about how great how beautiful a Baruch Hu is particularly in Sherashirim where the language is couched in language of beauty so that's the second shot in van vei what means I will relate the praises and the the greatness of a Baruch Hu. The Ralbag also brings the Pshat of Unkelis, though he brings it from a, a version of the Mechilta, that Oshivenu Benave, 
I'll place him in a dwelling, meaning I'll build a mikdash for him, that his shechina will manifest itself there. <coughs> then he brings a pshat similar to Rashi's second pshat, that it's from the word, that's from the root of noy, of beauty. The, some of the Chachamim have explained it from the root of from the root of Noy and Yofi of beauty, but he understands differently from Rashi. Unlike unlike the unlike the yeah, it, I, 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 actually fairly similar to Rashi that uh, it comes from the word beauty and it means that Zekeli Vatareu Batarim. I will explain. I, I will describe him using adjectives, using descriptive phrases that will have beauty, mashafsher, because God's actions, again, God's essence is, uh, is, 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 is beyond our comprehension, but the, the things God does, the, the, his greatness as manifested through his actions, are certainly beautiful, and we'll describe him in terms, again, very similar to the second shot of Rashi, that, the, that I'll, I'll describe him in, in language of, of beauty, I'll ascribe beauty to his conduct. Then the Rolbag brings a third shot, though, which he thinks is, is his preferred shot, Yoser Nachon, that it means that this is a classic Ralbag, that he's explaining that we're essentially asking, apologizing, or adding a disclaimer to the fact that of the Shira in particular, we're going to engage in anthropomorphism. We're going to describe God using physical and human-like terminology. As we discussed in, in, in other Shira, the Tanakh frequently uses anthropomorphism, but even more so in the Shira. We discussed this about Hazinu. Hazinu is full of very human-like descriptions of God, as an emotional being, as a, as a physical being, but the, in the, so I, we do that all over the Torah. We speak about the Yad of Hashem and so on, Hayad Hashem Tiktzar. But particularly in the in the Shiras, which are poetic, which are allegorical, which use vivid and rich and resonant imagery. Particularly there, we use a, a great deal of anthropomorphism. So the Ralbag says that's what we mean by Van Veyu. It's a kind of uh, disclaimer, a kind of permission. We're saying. We're going to describe Hashem by placing him in a guf. The van veu means I'll give him a place, I'll give him a, a location. It means I'm going to describe him with, as if he has a particular place, a nave, a place where he lives. That's just, that, that just uh, that's just to use human language. I'm going to speak of him as though he was a, a power animating a guf, because that's how humans speak. We can't really speak about, we don't have the language to speak about God as a, as a more abstract, more spiritual, more ethereal uh, entity. But, and that's what we're going to say, for example, later in the Shira, the example is, we're going to say, Yimincha Hashem Nadari Bakoach, God's right hand is mighty with power, and so on, and other language in the, Neshaft of Ruchach HaKisamayam, you blew with your wind, Uvaruach HaPecha, with the breath of your nose, he doesn't bring all the circum, but the Shira is full of these anthropomorphic descriptions of God, and that's what we're doing, we're, we're saying in the beginning, Zekeli van Veyu. God is not really like this. God is not really something that can be accurately described using physical terminology. But we're going to do it anyway because it's a necessity of human language, of human discourse. So that's what we're saying. It's kind of an apology. We're saying Zekeli van Veyu. We're going to describe Hashem in human language, locating him within a guf. Okay, so that's the pshat that all back prefers. So these, these are various pshatim of Chazal, Unklus, and the Rishonim. However, there are two more pshatim in Zechele Van Veyu, which Rashi and the other Rishon are not bringing here, which are actually, one of them in particular, both of them are, are quite famous, and they appear in a Gemara and Shabbos. The Gemara and Shabbos brings a Brisa, Talmud Bavli, Zechele Van Veyu, 
What is so so also on Veyu is going to be explained as Rashi and the Ralbag from the language of Noi, of beauty. But unlike Rashi and the Ralbag, who said that it means I will describe Hashem using language, uh, using terms of beauty, they say it means it refers to the way we perform mitzvahs. The Gemara says, Hisnoi lefanav mitzvahs. Be beautiful before God <coughs> in the performance of mitzvahs. I say lefanav sukkah noya, make for him a beautiful sukkah. For lulav noya, acquire and use a beautiful lulav. Shofar noya, beautiful shofar. Tzitzis noya, beautiful tzitzis. Sefer Torah noya, beautiful sefer Torah. Write it for the sake of heaven with beautiful ink. With a beautiful pen. It should be done, it should be written by an expert scribe. And wrap it in beautiful silks. That's what we call Hidr Mitzvah, the idea that when we do mitzvahs, we do them in a way that beautifies the mitzvah. That's one shot. Then the Gemara brings Abashal Omer, another Chacham said, Vanvehu means Havidomelo that Anivahu, Vanveyu is a, a whole new interpretation, Vanveyu is a, this is a Midrashic interpretation, it's a contraction of the words Anivahu, meaning I, thou, similarity, connection, Havidom, hello, conduct yourself in a manner that resembles Hashem, Mahu Chan Varachum, just as he is, compassionate and merciful, Af Chan Varachum, so too you should be Chan Varachum, this is the imitatio dei that Rosalvechik, I think, would talk about an important idea of Chazal that we're supposed to emulate, emulate a Kodesh Baruch. For the duration, <coughs> for the remainder of our talk tonight, I want to focus on the first interpretation of Chazal. It's presumably a midrash. I doubt Chazal meant this as Pashup Shat, but Chazal said that Van Vehu means his nalafan of the mitzvahs do mitzvahs in a in, be- in a beautiful way. As we said, this is the source of the idea of hidra mitzvah. Which has which comes up all over halacha. I want to speak about a number of different ideas about hidra mitzvah, not all directly connected to the pasuk, but, the, but this is this is the pasuk of hidra mitzvah. So I want to speak a little bit about some of the ideas of hidra mitzvah. So first of all, first of all, before we even leave the gemara, the, the gemara uses language. It says sukkah na, lulav na, shofar na, tzitzis na, and then it says when you write the sefer Torah, you should write bekulmas na, bekulmas na. Write Bidyona with beautiful ink and Bakulmasna with a beautiful pen. The beautiful ink means that the writing will be beautiful. If, if the ink is beautiful, the writing is beautiful. A beautiful pen, you can buy fountain pens, you can buy, spend several hundred dollars on a pen that, that writes comfortably and maybe beautifully. You can spend more than that, you can spend money on jewelry, you can have gold pens and uh, <coughs> gold pens and diamond pens and pens that have pens that have dinosaur bone fragments or meteorites in them and whatnot. You can have the, there's all different types of ways to make your pen beautiful. You can spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Is that what it means, that the pen should be physically beautiful? This is actually a discussion among the later Akronim. What does the Mar mean when it says, Kulmus not? Pesach Frank points out that this is somewhat anomalous. All the other examples of Hidra Mitzvah mean that the thing of the Mitzvah itself is, is going to be beautiful. Beautiful Tzifer Torah, beautiful Lulav. The pen should be beautiful. He says it's hard to understand why that would be why that would just 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 it's hard to understand logically why the Torah would mandate that? Who cares? Who knows what pen it was written with? So maybe maybe it's psychological. The fact that you know it was written with a beautiful, expensive pen that means you have an additional uh, esteem for it. I don't know. Expensive writing inst- instruments do have a psychological component, but the Rashi Pesach Frank is not sure. He's not sure if the, if the Gemara really means the pen should be beautiful or if it just means that. 
write with a pen that will produce beautiful writing. That's the other way to learn. He doesn't really know. He doesn't really say. <coughs> I mean, he seems to assume it means a beautiful pen. He just doesn't think it's very reasonable. Rav Asher Weiss raises the question of whether it means a, a, actually a beautiful pen or a pen that produces beautiful writing. He says, does it mean like an like a elegantly designed and golden laid pen? He says, is that true? Even Machshiri Mitzvah, like the pen... Should have a hidden mitzvah. Fasema says that he says, understands that way. That seems to be Ersti Bezak Frank's understanding. Maybe it means, he says, no, like with the other possibility we, we, we broached. Kolmus Noah means a, a well executed pen, a pen that is well designed and will produce beautiful writing. So especially when, when they used to use uh, quills and feather pens, the, as today with fountain pens, the, the, the construction of the pen can affect the quality of the writing. Maybe that's what it means, he says. Certainly the postures of the Gemara is like the Stas Emes and or Frank, that it means the pen should actually be beautiful. But, uh, okay, maybe, he says. According to that, he adds, it would follow that when you do bris mila as well, the knife of the mila should be beautiful. You should use a beautiful knife. He's never seen such a thing, he says. He's never seen people use a good knife, a sharp knife, but the, he's never seen people use a beautiful knife for mila. He's not sure. He's not sure if that's really the... <coughs> if that's really correct or not. Another point in this brisa is that one of the examples the brisa gives is that you should have. It said, well, here it just says you should have sukkah noah, lulav noah, shofar noah, tzitzis noah, sefer torah noah. It mentions sefer torah. One thing it does not mention is tefillin. It does not say that the tefillin should be. It does not say the tefillin should be should be noah. There, 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 there is debate about this. There is a there, there is an interesting machlokus about this about, about about the need for tefillin to be beautiful. Tosus and Menachus brings from Rabbeinu Tam, from one of the Gedolei Harishonim, Rabbeinu Tam, that the that, that the Sefer Torah has something called sirtut. Sirtut are, are these scored lines, lines that are scored with a sharp implement into the cloth. They, we have lined paper sometimes. They they used to score the cloth and make lines. We still do that today for a Sefer Torah. And Rabbeinu Tam says that requirement only exists in a Sefer Torah, not in Tefillin. Why, Tosa says, why do you write, why do you score lines in the Sefer Torah? To write neatly. It's easy to write straight in a, in a straight line when you have a line to guide yourself with. That applies in the Sefer Torah because of Zekeli van Veyu, because of the mitzvah of Hidr Mitzvah, of our parsha. Tefillin, he says, nobody sees the writing. Tefillin de Mechusin Ba'ar, they're covered with leather, the you, you, I've never seen the parashas in my tefillin. <coughs> Mezuzas I've seen, I've put them in, I've taken them out, but tefillin, I haven't opened my tefillin in decades, ever. You don't have to check tefillin. So, low boy sirtut, Rebbein Tam says, you don't bother, right? you, you don't need sirtut, you don't have to bother with sirtut. What's the point of making them beautiful? Nobody sees them, he says. Hashem is not going to be impressed. Hashem is not, doesn't need beautiful tefillin. It's for us, it's the people who see them. It's to impress upon people the, the beauty and importance of mitzvahs. Nobody sees the insides of the tefillin. So you don't need to make them beautiful. That's what Rabbeinu Tam says. Other Rishonim disagree. Beis Yosef, Beis Yosef brings a, bring, going on the Torah, the Torah says when you write tefillin, you should write b'ksav miyushar. You should write straight and handsome writing. Why should you do that? Why is it important to write straight? You know, as long as the letters are properly formed and legible, what does it matter if they're straight or crooked? Says the Beis Yosef, it's a part of Hidra Mitzvah in Tefillin is to have an attractive Ksav. And for the same reason, the Mordechai writes, not like Rabbeinu Tam, 
that the writing should be Ksiva Gasa, Nimchak Maher. <coughs> the letters should be thick and, and, and sturdy, so the letters shouldn't be easily erased. And also Ksav Meusher. Ratzalomer Ksav Meusher, it should be straight, which means, which means an elegant and attractive script. Kolomer Yafe. And also, he says, after Dahina Lomer, Yisharos, maybe the word Meusher. Meusher can mean different things. The Torah said Meusher. Meusher can mean Meusher, which is a synonym for Yafe, for attractive, or it can mean write straight and not, and not crookedly. But the, so, so the Torah, the Mordechai, as, as quoted, as understood by the Beis Yosef, is there is Hidr Mitzvah on, there is Hidr Mitzvah on Tefillin, despite on the Ksav of the Tefillin. Everyone would presumably agree there's Hidr Mitzvah on the outside of the Tefillin. We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. But at this point, everyone would agree that having attractive batim, having attractive cases of the Tefillin, not cases, the, the boxes of the Tefillin themselves would have Hidr Mitzvah. But the writing, which is inside and is not, not ever seen, that's a machlokis. Rabbi Tam says that you don't need you don't need hidra mitzvah apparently. Rabbi Tam is speaking about sirtut, but presumably it would apply to other aspects of hidra as well. And the Beis Yosef says, <coughs> interpreting the Torah and quoting the Mordechai, there is a mitzvah of hidra mitzvah on the ksav of tefillin as well. The later Achronim make a big deal out of this. The the Stechemen says machlokis machlokis of hidra mitzvah applies to Dover muster something which is. Covered and not visible. Machlokis, according to Tosus, according to Rabbeinu Tam, there's no hidra mitzvah on something that's covered and not visible. However, according to the, however, he says according to the other chacham say that way as well. But according, but the Ramah brings that the that there is a mitzvah that there, that, that there is a mitzvah of uh, of hidra mitzvah and tefillin. Ramah follows the Mordechai, the Beis Yosef, that there is hidra on the Ksav of tefillin as well. And v'chein muchach, he says from the Gemara, v'chein muchach, the Achronim bring from the Gemara. The Gemara, the Gemara we just had, one of the examples of Hidra Mitzvah is Mila. Mila's covered. I mean, a person sees his own Mila when he takes a shower. You know, the person, when he changes his clothes, the person sees his Mila, but it's not normally uncovered. So, okay, I guess you can always argue that the Hidra Mitzvah Mila is because a person does see his Mila occasionally, more than the film <coughs> for most people. But, um, okay. Anyway, that's Machlokas. Machlokas, we shown him and Achronim, whether Hidra Mitzvah applies to the Ksav of the Tefillin, which is rarely, if ever, visible. A further machlokas is brought by Ramanachem Kasher. Ramanachem Kasher has an essay on Hidra Mitzvah on Zekeli Van Veyu in Torah Shlema, and he brings from one of the Achronim, the, the Tshuva's Binyan Shlomo, I'm not sure which Binyan Shlomo, I looked in the Shlomo Akkor Vilna, I didn't see it there, I looked in another Tshuva of the Binyan Shlomo, I didn't find it yet in either of those, but in some sefer called Tshuva's Binyan Shlomo, he brings in Mechilta, that talks about Hidra Mitzvah, and it says, it brings tefillin, but it says tefillin na'ab, lashon yachid, that one of your tefillin, a, 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 one of your tefillin should be na'ab. So the Binyan Shlomo says, why one? Because there's a halacha, a minhag in tefillin, that the shalrosh is supposed to be uncovered. It says, v'ra'uch halamei ha'aretz, kishem Hashem nekra alecha, and the Chazal say that's, that's a reference to tefillin, that people, the people of the land should see that the name of God is upon <coughs> the name of God is upon you. That's a reference to Tefillin Shel Rosh, which is supposed to be uncovered. Even if a person wears a talus or a hat, he's supposed to make sure that it does not cover the Tefillin. But the Tefillin Shel Yad, it says, Tefillin Shel Yad should be an os on your hand. Tefillin Shel Yad should be something more intimate, more personal. It's for you, it's not for other people. Tefillin Shel Yad should be covered. Some people cover it just with a small case on top of the tefillin. Some people cover it with a sleeve or a shirt or jacket sleeve. But the main idea is that tefillin shal yad is supposed to be covered. 
So says the Sefer Binyan Shlomo, that's what the Mechilta means when it says Tfila na, one of your Tfilin should be na, meaning up to now we've been discussing the cloth of the Tfilin, the inside of the Tfilin. He's discussing apparently the outside of the Tfilin. Is, is, what, about, what about Hidra Mitzvah on the outside of the Tfilin? I'm not sure how that, you don't, you don't have that much creativity, that much room for flexibility in your Tfilin. It has to be black, it has to be square, there's not that much room for, uh, for, uh, for indulging your creative and uh, artistic. <coughs> Right. So, so Dr. Makavos is suggesting maybe the maybe the hider is to make them square, to make them perfectly square, or as perfectly as we can. Older tefillin, they didn't have the technology, they didn't have the means to do it, and they were not as square. They relied on things like Maybe that's what it means to make them very square. That's actually something we'll return to soon. The question of another aspect of hider that we'll discuss a major idea of the achronim that hider hider mitzvah is not solely or not exclusively or not primarily defined by simple aesthetics, Hidr is defined by doing the mitzvah in a more ideal and more preferable way. We'll discuss that soon. Anyway, but this Sefer Binyan Shlomo says, whatever Hidr means on tefillin, even on the outside of the tefillin, it only applies to tefillin shel rosh, according to the Mechilta, not to tefillin shel yad. Why? Because tefillin shel yad are covered. So just like Rabbeinu Tam said, it doesn't apply to the cloth of the tefillin because they're covered by the bottom of the tefillin. This, this Sefer goes one step further. <coughs> it doesn't even apply to the bias of the tefillin, apparently, of the shalyad, because that's covered by, by your shirt, by, by, by your by supposed to be covered. Then he says, the Yushalmi Masech Shabbos says tefillin plural. Tefillin noim, the tefillin plural should be noim. And he says, Machlokis, Machilton Yushalmi, they're arguing about tefillin shalyad, whether tefillin shalyad is supposed to be, has a mitzvah of hidra or not, and the Bavli is silent on the matter. And the. Okay, Rav Kasher himself is not so impressed by this analysis. He says his whole diuk from the Mechilta that, that it says Lashon Yachid, so it's only going on the Shalrosh, is not compelling. The Yalkut has the Girsa in the Mechilta Tzvillin, and Rav Kasher was an expert, uh, one of the greatest experts on the Girsos in Midrashim. He brings other versions of the Mechilta, he says. And furthermore, even, even Tfila, he says, is often used to mean, to mean Tfillin in general, the, the, even if it's Lashon Yachid. Okay. He brings him Eri, who apparently was Gareis, and in Argamar maybe Tefillin Noam. Okay, fine. I'll call upon him. This is a major machlokas, both with regard to the Klaf and even with regard to the Batim of the Shalyad, whether Hidra Mitzvah applies to something which is Nistar, to something which is, which is not visible or not. Now, <coughs> the idea I started to mention before, Hidra Mitzvah, that the, the Hidra Mitzvah is not about or not exclusively about aesthetics, Hidra Mitzvah is about doing the mitzvah properly. That's an idea we find expressed by a number of achronim. One of my favorite expressions of this, formulations of this, is a tshuva of Avner Nezer. Avner Nezer was arguing, had several tshuvas, where he, was, where he had a debate with his father about using esrogim of Corfu, the Greek island of Corfu. Many Jews used to use esrogim from there. Um, there were those who objected. They, they felt they were Morkov, that, that their lineage was not reliable. Avnezer was debating this point with his father, who was a Talmud Chacham also, about whether a struggle from Corfu were desirable. His father felt that they were, and Avnezer himself felt they were not, that the, that the concerns of Morkov were, were grave enough that they should be avoided. So his father had, had made some arguments that there are Sveikas involved, the Svek Sveika. His father had made an argument that even if we're not sure whether it's Morkov, we're not sure whether it's Morkov or not, with the combination of Sveikos, that we can be lenient and assume they're not Morkov. Says the Avnei Nezer, 
even if you're right, even, he has a long tshuva, we're not going to get into most of the technical details of the tshuva, he has more than one tshuva, <coughs> but in one of his tshuvas he writes, even if we concede your basic point, the me'ikra din, because of the principles, the technical rules of Svek Sveka, we would be allowed to use an estrog of Korfu and, say, and, and rely on the fact that it might, that it, that assume that it's not Morkov, it's still not the right thing to do, he says. Why? Why, why are you advocating Korfu Estrogum? Why are you such a big fan? of? Why do you want me to use a Korfu Estrog, he says? Because they were more attractive, apparently. He says, he says the, the people who were advocating Korfu is because the Estrogum were more attractive than the other Estrogum. Says, says, says Avernezer, so let's consider our choice. Our choice is we have a Korfu Estrog, which is beautiful, but of somewhat dubious kashras, because it may not, it may be a murkov, it may be grafted, it, it might, it might not be a pure breed asterisk. You can rely on sex fake, but it's not so clear that it's actually kosher. I have an asterisk of Eretz Yisrael, which he felt was reliable; it was kosher, but it wasn't so nice. Sheino noah kol So he says that the so, so, so which is better? Is it better to use an asterisk which is certainly kosher but not as nice, or an asterisk which is beautiful but might not be kosher? So Rav Chaim famously took two estrogen. Maybe we'll discuss that story a little bit later. But for normal people, they're only taking one estrogen. So the question is, which, which one should you take? One that is vaday kosher, but not so nice? Or one that is... Or one that is... Uh, what, what, one that is, be- that, that is beautiful, but may not be kosher. Says Avnei Nezer v'zeh borer. Likach ha'estrog You should certainly take the estrog that is vaday kosher. Ve'ein l'cha hidr gadol mizeh. There is no greater hitter than making sure that you're fulfilling the mitzvah correctly at a baseline level. He says, this Gemara and Shabbos that we started with, the Gemara says, means hitter mitzvah. The Gemara and Shabbos is in Perak Belezer de Mila. The Gemara is talking about the laws of Mila. Now, the, the, the way the Gemara starts is that, there, that there, there's different tissue. Arla means removal of the foreskin, but there's different portions of tissue which you remove. There's, there, there's the Arla itself, there's Tzitzin, other portions of skin which you have to remove. There's tzitzin ha'ma'achvin. There's certain of the tzitzin are, are critical to remove. The meal is not kosher unless you remove them. There's other portions of skin. I don't have a really clear, anat- clear picture of what the anatomy looks like. I'm taking the Gemara's word for it. <coughs> there's other portions of skin that are called tzitzin shein ma'achvin. If you don't remove them, it's not ma'achev, but you remove them anyway, that you should remove them anyway, ideally because of zekele anveil, because of hidra mitzvah. Says Avni Nezer. The Gemara does not mean that the Mila is more aesthetically attractive. The Mila looks prettier with those tissue removed. That's not what it means. The Mila is not about attractiveness. It doesn't look more handsome with the tzitzin removed. That's what he assumes. Again, I'll take his word for it also. He says, what makes it a hinder is that it emphasizes the mitzvah. By removing these tzitzin, the mitzvah is more obvious. It's, clear, it's clearer that it was done. That's the hinder. The hinder the is not about aesthetics. It's not about... It's not about prettiness, it's about emphasizing and doing the mitzvah properly, he says. Therefore, he says, the true hinder is to take an asterisk which is certainly kosher, not to take an asterisk which is aesthetically superior. Then the Benazir adds another point, not related to hinder, but it's a, it's a fantastic and uh, provocative line. He says, particularly, I think you should use an asterisk of Eretz Yisrael, not Korfu, because the Torah is mishpat elokei haaretz. The, as a Zionist, he writes, the Torah is the Mishpat of the God of Eretz Yisrael, 
It can't be. The Torah does not, does not obligate you, to, cannot obligate you to bring a strogum from Chutzlars. It doesn't make sense if the Torah would be telling you to pass over Israeli strogum and to go import a strogum from Chutzlars. All right. That's his assumption that the Torah is the, the, Torah, is the Torah of the God of, of the land of Israel, he says. It, it can't be that, that, that the mitzvah is, I'm not sure what kind of argument that is. What do you do if there are no strogum in Israel? What do you do if they were all grafted in? It could happen, theoretically. Maybe he feels that there's some kind of divine providence that will make it, that will never happen. I don't know, but that's what he says. He, has a, he, just, he just can't accept that, the, that, that we should pass over Israeli estrogum, that we should have to pass over Israeli estrogum to go for, to go for estrogum from Chutzlars. The This basic point that the ultimate hider is to be Yotze, the mitzvah, according to all opinions, is made by the, is, the, is, he says, is made by the chasm, is made by the chasm sofer as well. He says, what is that Caleb Unveil? He's talking about the mitzvah to ma'aget alulav. So he talks about opinions in the Gemara that they used to use gold adornments, uh, the, the agat is the tying together. We all use lulav rings. We, we generally use lulav rings. Now, we paskin lulav ain't sarach agat. We paskin meikra din, you yotzi lulav without tying it together. The mitzvah of tying it, it we do is because <coughs> is because it's a hedger. It's, it's, it's considered a hedger to tie it together. He says, even the, the, the people in the time of the Talmud who used to use gold, he says, that the, he says, the, he says, the Iker van Veyu is to use it, Bamino, to use lulav leaves. Even though aesthetically gold is prettier, somehow he says that since, since there's a mitzvah, since, since there's, a, there's a hitter to tie it, again, why it's a hitter to tie it if it's not part of the, if it's not the Iker mitzvah, why is it a hitter if it's not because it aesthetically looks nicer, I'm not sure. But he says that the halach has its own logic. The logic is he's supposed to tie it, the tying it should be done bamino. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's gold or not gold. The ikar hider is to tie it and to tie it with simple, uh, simple, unprepossessing lulav leaves. Now, gold is a chib of mitzvah. You can put gold on afterwards as well. But the hider, he says, hider is not uh, not about making it look, look, uh, look uh, aesthetically and aesthetically pleasing to humans. The ikar hider is to fulfill the halachas of tying and of using the min of the lulav itself. <laughs> and that's why we use lulav leaves even though Meikra didn't he can tie it with anything but the hider again is not defined by what we think looks pleasing it's defined by the halacha then you can add then you can add gold I'm not sure why we don't add gold it's common that we use I mean, gold's expensive but people do use silver for the box people put the asterisk in a silver box often most people don't actually use silver jewelry I think on the lulav itself which is what they used to do in the time of Chazal <coughs> So I'm not sure why we don't do that today. I'm not sure why we don't use little, like, kind of silver napkin holder rings to go around there. Lulav, like Chazal said, they used to use lulav leaves on the bottom, and on top of that, they would put the silver on. Chazim Zofer says that they use lulav on the bottom because the Ikra Din, Hidr, is about halachic logic and not about aesthetics. But after that, they put on gold. So I don't know why we don't do that today. We just put the asterisk in the silver box. We don't put the, the silver and gold napkin rings on the lulav. But okay, but, but that's the Chazim Zofer's point, that the... That the Iker, that the Iker Hidr is about following halachic logic, not about things that are that are that are appealing aesthetically. Obviously, there is, there is a mile in that too. There, 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 there is a minute to use silver, a silver menorah. The post can talk about and a silver uh, silver asterisk box. We, there's a minute to use, and so on. But ultimately, the Hidr he says the true Hidr is about is about the is about Hidr in halachic terms. And elsewhere, he makes the same point as Nafnei He says the Iker Hidr of an asterisk. There shouldn't be any chashash psul al alacha. Because the Iker Hidr is what Chazal said, that it's up to Chacham to say what, what the Hidr is. 
And the, the first thing you should do is make sure your restroom gives 100% kosher. After that, you can look for Hidr as in aesthetics. Ki'ein van veyu elamasha The true van veyu, the real van veyu, is only what the Torah says is considered yafeh. Not what we think is yafeh and hadr. For, for years now, I found one halacha, which I think seems to be a counterexample to this. One, there's one place that, 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 that I, I hold up where the halacha explicitly says that Hidr actually overrides a, a halacha concern, and that is in the halachas of Kiddush. There is a major machlokas we've shown him, whether the Gemara talks about Kiddush, the Gemara talks about the, what kind of wine you use for Kiddush, the Gemara talks about the wine that you use for the Nesachim on the Mizbech, and there's a question that we've shown him, how closely do we, do, do, we, do we carry over all the rules from Yayin for Nesachim to Yayin for Kiddush. So, for example, Yayin for Nesachim cannot be Mavushal. You're not allowed to use Yayin Mavushal for the wine libations on the Mizbech. It can't have any sugar added. So the Rambam rules the same halachas apply to Kiddush. Kiddush wine cannot be Mavushal. Kiddush wine cannot have sugar. And the, the, the halachic recommendation is that you, a, a person should be stringent for this. The, a person should try, ideally, all else being equal, a person should try to be choshish for the Rambam and have wine that is the, the wine that is kosher for Nesachim, no sugar added, and no, no added sugar, and, and not mavushal. This is, the Ramah says the minigas to do that, the minigas to, that the, that the, the, Ramah, the Ramah indicates the minigas to do that, and the briskers in particular, the, the follow, Salvechik and his followers, is to, is to try hard to mahadir to use, to use yayin she'ena mavushal and has no sugar. And my father was always meticulous about this. My father always likes to use when possible, yayin, that's not mavushal, and it's no sugar, for kiddush. Now, this is how the Shulchan Aruch and Ramah bring this halacha. The Shulchan Aruch says, mikad shnal yayin mavushal, yayin she'esh bodvash, you're allowed to have sweetened wine, you're allowed to have mavushal wine, the yeisharm she'ein mikad and the Rambam says you can't. Yeisharm that you can't. The is not machriya, the Ramah says, v'haminag l'kad ishalav, the minag is to be lenient, Certainly, if you have no choice, the minute gets to be lenient. And afilu yesh yayin acher, even if you do have other wine, rak she'eno tov k'moa mavushal. It's not as good as the mavushal wine. So if you have two wines, Ramah says, and one of them is mavushal and one is not, but the, not, but, but the mavushal one is better, then, it's pre- then, the, then, then the, the minag is to use the better wine, not the eno mavushal wine. So the Ramah Zachra is that Yes, all else being equal, you should use wine that's not mavushal to be choshish for the Rambam. But if the if the mavushal wine is better, then you should use that. That seems to be the idea that hidra mitzvah using better wine, more chash of a wine, is more important than being choshish for the shita of some rishonim that you're not going to say kiddush with the, with with the wine with this wine. So, I used to often discuss this with my father. Very often, the my father often used to purchase the. It, it, was, it was well known that Kedem had one particular jug wine, so to speak, the Kedem Matuk Rouge, in the one and a half liter bottle. That particular uh, format was known to be not Mavushal and had no sugar added. My father often used to buy that. We used to have a stock of that for Kiddush. But often in the house, you know, none of us were major, were major uh, Oenophiles, but uh, we often did have bottles of wine that were probably better. And uh, so we often used to debate this point. So what's better? Should, according to the Ramah, all else being equal, we should use Ena Mavushal, but we have better wine in the house. My father, being more of a brisker, would always would often say, "But, but the Rambam, but you know, we have to be yotze kiddush according to all days." And like we saw, the Chassam Sofer, the Benazer, tell us that in general that's the rule. In general, the rule is that being yotze the mitzvah kiel according to all opinions, as the Chassam Sofer says, without any 
not even a chashash psul pi halacha. He says, first worry about halacha, then worry about hidr. Avinezer's language was, Avinezer's language is that he says that the he says that 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 that, 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 that if you were lying on Svek Sveka, it's better to take vade as vade kosher ain lucha hidr gadol that it should be kosher vade. So one could argue the same thing should apply to the yayin. Better to be yote according to the Rambam according to all opinions kiddush than to say I'm yote according to most opinions probably according to other rishonim. But it's, but it's a better wine. Okay, but for some reason the wine case is, is different. Maybe because the Rambam is just rejected mehalacha. I'm not sure. Mechaber brings it as a yesh But okay, but, but so the wine case is one exception, is one, uh, is one case where Alpi the Ramah, at least, it, it, the, the, the minig was to use, was to, what, what, was to favor Mahudra wine, wine that was better, over the wine that was kosher according to all opinions. The, 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 there's a similar, the similar idea we find in some of the poskim. So we just mentioned Avinezer, the Chasim Sofer, putting aside the counterexample of Kiddush, we just mentioned Avinezer and the Chasim Sofer, that in general it, it's more appropriate to, be, to, to make sure you're Yotzi Lahalacha than to worry about Hidr, to worry that that is the greatest Hidr, to be Yotzi Lahalacha. They bring the Sefer Chasidim. The Sefer Chasidim says that, let's say a person needs a talus. The only one available today is uh, it's kosher, but it's not beautiful. He can wait till tomorrow and he'll have a chance to get a talus nut. So he says, or a, a city has no Sefer Torah. They, 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 have, they have an available sofa who can write kosher Sefer Torah. It won't be so beautiful. <coughs> There's another sofa who, who's going to come soon who can write a better Sefer Torah. So he says, nope, better to don't pass over the mitzvah, better to get the one that's kosher today. I'm not sure if he meant, and get the other one tomorrow, is he write two Sefer Torah? He meant, I don't know if you can afford two Sefer Torah, but better to write one and have one right away, not to wait and say in the future I'll have a, I'll have a, I'll have a better one. They bring a true sedation. Uh, he says that for Kiddush Levana, he says, ideally we say that we, the Minigas of course is that we do Kiddush Levana on Matzei Shabbos. And the reason is because we're in a uh, festive and more joyous frame of mind, we're wearing nice clothing, Yom Kippur, we have a minute of the opposite. That's, that, that, that's, many people have a minute. They don't do Kiddush Levana right after Yom Kippur because they're fasting, they're Mu'una. We want Kiddush Levana to be, it's a hidra in Kiddush Levana that it should be when a person is in a joyous and happy frame of mind. Again, people are in different moods than Matzah Yom Kippur. They're, they say about Rav Salavechik that he was in an ecstatic mood. If you wanted a favor from him, they say that, that my father said this, that people knew they could ask him for things Matzah Shabbos, so that Matzah Yom Kippur, he was just for hours he was just, he felt the kapar of Yom Kippur so viscerally, he was just in a tremendously uh, happy frame of mind. But also the fact is, the Allah speaks to you, to the ordinary human beings as well, who they're, they're hungry, they're, they're, they're tired and cranky, they're not wearing their shoes. <coughs> this was before they had comfortable non-leather sneakers that everyone had, but, uh, but the, it's called an Inui after all. So, says the Shumas Adeshin, Kiddush Levana should ideally be done on Matzei Shabbos, because of this hidr to have it done when a person is in a uh, joyous and, and happy frame of mind. However, if there's a concern that you'll miss the mitzvah, you're, you're rolling the dice, it, it might be cloudy on Matzah Shabbos, and you'll miss the chance entirely, then ain't mashinosa. We don't do it. Even though it'll be more mitzvah than a better to be yotzi the mitzvah today and, and, and get it done and be yotzi the holidays than to be yotzi for sure, than to say, I'll, I'll go for double or nothing, I'll wait till tomorrow, maybe tomorrow I'll do it by hidr, and it may turn out that you'll, you'll lose the mitzvah entirely. Okay, so we'll just close. I'll speak for a few minutes about the story of 
about the story of Rav Chaim. There's a famous story. The, the, the origins of the story are a little murky. Many people probably know the story because it appears in Rav Shlomo Yosef Zevin's Rav Shlomo Yosef Zevin's Isha Mashitas in his, in his literary biography of Rav Chaim Salavechik. Not clear where Rav Zevin got it from. As at, they, they, they recently published, more recently, they published a letter to Rav Zevin by a Talmud Chacham named Rav Yehuda Leib Don Yechia, who was a Talmud of Rav Chaim, a Chabadnik at the time, who, who studied under Rav Chaim, and, and he wrote a version of the story to Rav Zevin. Rav Zevin had apparently asked him, do you know any interesting stories about Rav Chaim? And he said, yeah, here's a good story. And he wrote him this story, which he personally witnessed. But anyway, and the story is related by other Gedolim. Rav Pesach Frank talks about the story. The, the, the various Gedolim talk about, uh, mention the story of Rav Chaim. The, the story goes <coughs> that Rav Chaim had two estrogen. One of the estrogen was very muhudr, but had some suffix about the kashras. The other estrog was definitely kosher, but not so muhudr. So, Lavinezer, we mentioned, talks about which one, which one, if you're only going to take one, which one should you take? He says, certainly take the kosher one. Rav Chaim was going to take both. The briskers, even today, they, they take multiple estrogen to be Yotzel Chaladeus, so all possibilities. But the question Rav Chaim had was which one to take first. Should you take the kosher one first or the, or the muhudr one first? So Rav Chaim apparently asked his Talmidim, and the, the, Rav Zevin quotes this as an example of the brisker Derech Alimud, the, the style of thinking of the briskers, some people might have thought that, 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 that it's better to take the kosher one first, because, like Dr. Nezer said, if it's kosher l'chaladeus, it has a higher priority. Rechaim said the opposite. Rechaim said, first take the Suffolk kosher, Suffolk vade mahudra one, and then take the vade kosher one. And his logic was, Rechaim assumed that once you fulfill the mitzvah with one asterisk, if you then upgrade to a better asterisk, you don't get the mitzvah of hidra mitzvah. You already got here the first time, so now you're not doing anything anymore. If a person takes a, a vada kosher esrog, and then he takes uh, another esrog which is more mahudr, let's say they're both kosher. But first he takes a, a simple esrog, then he finds and some, someone gives him a better esrog, he takes a second esrog. If Chaim says, you haven't done anything, it's pointless. Because once you yotzi the mitzvah, you can't upgrade it by doing it again. You yotzi the first time, it's done, you're over, you know, the mitzvah is, is finished already. You cannot fulfill hidr by doing the mitzvah again. That's Chaim's assumption. Says Rechaim, in this case, if you take the Vadai Kasher one first and then the Suffolk Mahudra one, you're not, there's no point because you Vadai Yotzi with the first one. And the Mahudra one, even if it's Kasher, you, you don't get any credit for it because you're already Yotzi the mitzvah. If you do it the other way around, he says, take the Vadai Mahudra Suffolk Kasher one first, then it'll be very good. If, if it's Kasher, you're Yotzi the mitzvah, Behidr. If it's not Kasher, okay, so 10 seconds later, you take the, the Kasher one. Yeah, so Dr. Makavos is raising an objection which many Akronim raised against Rav Chaim. Rav Frank discusses it. The question of bracha. You're making a hefsik between, if, if, if you do it the way Rav Chaim recommends, that you take first the, the muhudra, but suffer kosher one, and then the kosher one, there's a choice, of, there, there's a problem of the bracha, that you're making a hefsik, that, 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 you, that you're taking the one that might be not kosher in between the bracha and the one that is kosher. So therefore... Therefore, there were those who argued that Rav Chaim's solution is not optimal because because you shouldn't because you shouldn't uh, be, be, because of the issue of the bracha. There were those who raised that objection, but but beyond that issue of the bracha, Rav Chaim's basic assumption that it's not possible to upgrade a mitzvah by doing it again that once you yotze vaday, you can't upgrade the mitzvah by doing it again this time with more hider 
That itself is a subject of extensive debate. And the truth is, it's ironic, the truth is Rav Chaim's own father had initially raised this question and wasn't sure about it. Rav Chaim's own father, the Beis Halevi, Rav Yosef Dov Salavechik, uh, the earlier one, what, in, in his Sefer Beis Halevi discusses this, and he actually was not sure whether you could take the... He actually was not sure whether you, whether you, could, whether you can get the mitzvah. Beis Halevi writes he was unsure about this for a while. He says... He actually raised the question about a lulav. He says if a person takes a, a, less, a less muhudr lulav and then finds a muhudr one and takes it again, is he able to be mekayim hidr mitzvah by doing it a second time? Beis Halevi says that he's actually, he, he has been misophic about this for a long time. Rav Chaim, I guess, innovated a new, brisker way of thinking. Beis Halevi predated that, and he wasn't sure what the halacha was in this case. So, he wants to relate it to, to the machlokas, to a famous machlokas, Rambam and Tur. Going back to Ari Gemara and Shabbos, about the tzitzin and the mila, again, the Gemara says there are certain, certain, a certain tissue called tzitzin shein ma'akvin, which is just a matter of hidr. Taking it off is a matter of hidr. So there's machlokas, Rambam and the Tur, Normally, a person would do the mila and take everything off, including these tzitzin. As part of the as part of the mila, he takes everything off. That's the ideal way to do the mila. The question is: Let's say a person did he finished the the ikar mila, he stopped, he, he removed his hand, and then he saw, oh, there's some more tzitzin than I'm okay, but there's more tzitzin than I missed. Should he? Is, is there any point in going back again and, and and restarting it and redoing the mila to take off the extra tissue? So the the Torah says there is a mitzvah to do that. If you didn't do it all in the first time, there still is a mitzvah in going back and taking off the extra tissue. Rambam says there isn't. There's no point. That, that, that the mitzvah of Tzitzin Shein Ma'akvin, the Hidra mitzvah, is only if you do it while you do the original Mila. There's no mitzvah to go back afterward and do a new act of taking off the Tzitzin. Basilevi initially suggested that that's this Machlokas, that the Machlokas is whether Hidra mitzvah is only possible to do the first time you do the mitzvah, or even if you go the mitzvah, you can go back and upgrade the mitzvah by doing a new, a new act of mitzvah, this time incorporating Hidra. He, ha- he says, he, he, he has chalukim, he, he, he says you can be mechalik between the case of the, of Mila and other cases, but the, in any event, this is a major machlok sachronim, whether many, many, again, it's a pretty modern discussion from around the time of Rav Chaim and Beis but over the last 100, 150 years, many achronim have raised this question, have broached this question, is it possible to mechayim, to mechayim a mitzvah behidr if you're ready yotzeh, or do we say, no, that, that what you're doing now is pointless, it's not a mitzvah anymore because you're ready out and therefore there's no point, and therefore there's no point in, in, try, in trying to do the mitzvah, in trying to do the mitzvah again. He says that the, that he says that the, so, so, there, so there, 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 there are a variety of different examples where post can discuss, post can discuss uh, applications of this principle, one of my, one of my, what, one particularly interesting case is the, what one particularly interesting case is, is the, has to do with mikvah. The, the minig is, the minig in Ashkenaz is, following the shla, that when, that, that when a, that when a woman goes to the mikvah, there's a machlok to be shown him whether the bracha on, on the tefillah, what women, women make a bracha, men don't, but women make a bracha today, men in the time of Chazal, whether it was Tum and Tara did, but Bismanazel were just, uh, a minute, men don't make a bracha, but women do. So there's a machlokshvi shown in whether when women make a bracha when they go to the mikvah, whether the bracha is made before or after the tefillah. Some rishonim say before, like every bracha is made over last yasan. Some rishonim say afterward, because in certain cases of tefillah, like a, a, like a, like a, a Gentile who's converting to Judaism, can't make the bracha before because he's a Gentile. <coughs> so since in certain cases you can't make the bracha before, you never make the bracha before, even, even an ordinary Jewish woman. It's a machlokshvi shown. 
So what do we do? So the Shlach says, the Minog is, we're tovel twice. We, we go, she goes to the mikvah without a bracha. She's tovel. Then she makes the bracha. Then she's tovel again. Some women are tovel more times for other Minogim, but the, the Shlach's Minog is to be tovel twice. Once before the bracha to be Yotzi Voshitas, and once after the bracha to be Yotzi Voshitas. So the Achronim are puzzled, are puzzled by this Minog. They say, what are you doing? What are you accomplishing by going twice? The whole point of being tovel a second time is to, is to go to the mikvah after the bracha. So the bracha should be over Lassiyasim. You already got to the mitzvah. You already went to the mikvah the first time. You're tar already. So what's the point of going a second time? It's done. It's finished. It's over. Kind of like Rav Chaim says. They, you, once you're ready, Yotzi the Asher, you can't do a hider. Once you're ready, went to the mikvah, you're, t- you're tar already. And you, you can't go again. So what's the point? If you, once you went to the mikvah, it's done. So, so, so some Akronim actually say that the first tefillah is really al tnai. The woman either explicitly or implicitly is making a tnai that if the first, if the, if, if the real way to, if the real way to do it is that the, if, if the correct halacha is that bracha should be first, I don't want the first tefillah to be yotze. You can make such a tnai that some posts can say, and then the second tefillah is the tefillah. If the, if, if the, if the tefillah is supposed to be done before the bracha, then I want the first one to be tefillah, to, to, be, to be a good tefillah. So you're actually making a tnai. No woman actually does this. Women don't actually do this. But the Chorim say that, that the women are tovel according to the opinion of the Chachamim who established the Minog, and that's what, that's what the Chachamim had in mind when they designed this Minog. That you, what you're really being doing is you're being tovel al tanai. You're saying that if the tefillah is supposed to be before the bracha, I want my first tefillah to work. If the tefillah is supposed to be done after the bracha, I want my second tefillah to work and not my first tefillah. <coughs> according, to, according to that possibility, we could also have the best, uh, how we can have our cake and eat it, going, possibly going back to the case of Rav Chaim, going back to the case of of, uh, of of Rav Chaim as well. In theory, you could take the. It still wouldn't solve the question of the bracha, but you could you could you could possibly do the same thing in the case of the esrog as well. You could take the vade esrog first, and then the mahudra esrog, and say make it tonight. And you could say that if the if the if the mahudra esrog is kosher, then I want the, the I don't want to be yotze with the kosher esrog, and I want to be yotze with the mahudra esrog, and if the Mahudra Esrug is not kosher, I want to be Yotze with the kosher Esrug. I don't know if there's any point in doing that. You're not really going to gain anything because you're still going to have the problem of the hefzik of the bracha if the, if the Avad Esrug is not kosher. And I guess when, once you're doing this anyway, you might as well do it Rav Chaim's way and take the, take the Mahudra Esrug first. But I'll call upon him. This basic point, Rav Chaim just takes for granted that he just assumed conceptually it doesn't make sense to try to do a Hidra Mitzvah after you've already done the Mitzvah because he Yotze the Mitzvah so he can't have a Hidra without the Iker Mitzvah. Well, my, so this point is, a, is, is, is the subject of great debate among the Akronim. Some Akronim agree with Rav Chaim. Many Akronim argue that it's not, it's not obviously true and that you could say that even after a person was Yotzi in the Mitzvah, he can do it again in a more Mahudra way to Mekayim Hidra Mitzvah, even though he already was Yotzi in the Mitzvah Mikra Din the first time.